Hey everyone, welcome to the Cutting Edge Podcast, where culture meets crypto. Today, we have a Catalonian screenwriter, director, and producer known for the short film, The Death of Don Quixote in 2018. He's a graduate of the MA Filmmaking at the London Film School and has written about cinema and interviewed film directors with Spanish magazines. Now he is here to discuss his film, Calladita, said to be one of the first European films made entirely from NFT funding. Please welcome uh, fellow crypto punk, Miguel Fass. Miguel, how are you? Very good. Thanks for having me. I'm super glad to be here speaking about film and NFTs and, and Calladita. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, I appreciate it. You know, we're, we're in a couple uh, group chats together and, you know, one of them being a punk chat. And I, I want to say, I don't know if it's like, uh, what the official stats are here, but how many how many punks have uh, supported the funding of Calladita so far? So far, we have 123 uh, punks, punk holders who have these um, in support of the of the film. So yeah, it's pretty amazing support from from the community. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And I see you have uh, your punk right there on your sweater. So you're you're representing the punk fam. Uh, I, I really appreciate that. I guess before we we start getting into your background and stuff, let's uh, let's talk about I guess crypto punks. Like why why did you gravitate towards uh, crypto punks? When did you gravitate towards crypto punks? And what's that been like regarding your NFT journey? Yeah, of course. I I bought my crypto punk as my first NFT ever in March 2021, and so literally, you know, one day I was browsing Twitter and I d- discovered that crazy people were paying thousands of dollars for cat JPEGs. And then that led to a couple of articles that went into the tech and the revolution of the culture side of things. And uh, I read all of that and I was hooked instantly. I fell down the rabbit hole and I saw it very clearly that this was the future. As a creator and an artist myself, I've always been very aware of how mistreated artists and creators of all kinds have been by the internet for decades. And so I saw it very clearly that this was the future and that I wanted to be a part of this revolution. So literally two weeks later, I took most of my life savings, I put them into my crypto bank. And uh, to be honest, that that was kind of a very uh, reckless or, or crazy financial decision. But at that time, I didn't even think of it as an investment decision. It was more like, I believe in this, I want to be a part of this, and I want to devote you know years of my life to, to this revolution. And I want to put my money where my mouth is and join the best community that I see in in this ecosystem, which are the punks, because I was hanging out in Clubhouse and everyone who I heard that made sense and that seemed like like they knew what was happening were all crypto punks. Right. So yeah. So before we get into uh, your NFT, going down the NFT industry and the rabbit hole, let's talk a little bit about your background in the filmmaking industry and and how you ended up here. So if you can tell us a little bit about about you and and your craft and and all of that before finding NFTs. Of course, yeah. So I'm I'm from Barcelona, Spain, and I'm 29. And I've been a filmmaker since uh, as far back as I can remember. I've I was I fell in love with cinema in my teenage years, and then I started making little short films with my with my friends that I wouldn't dare show anyone. And then since then, um, I I moved to London in, after college to study film more seriously at the London Film School, and there I made a few short films like more more kind of serious or like more proper short films uh, you could say with you know a full crew and, and good equipment and all of that 
and then those short films uh, started doing pretty well in in festivals and and some of them got picked up by streaming platforms as well and then you know in 2020 i i made my my last short film Kayadita, which is the one that we're turning now into into a feature film and well i didn't clarify this but in in all of these short films i'm both a writer and director and then in most of them i've also kind of acted as a producer as well because i studied business in college so i have also kind of that um, business side that has also been helpful in the in the nft uh, space as well I, I i guess right and yeah so that's yeah, no, uh, that that's definitely super interesting you're definitely a well-rounded um creator right in the sense that i think uh also like being able to mesh uh, the finance side of things as long as well as the creativity side, I think definitely helps a lot, right? Because uh, at the end of the day, and it's funny because I've been talking to more and more people in like the filmmaking industry where budget is a huge thing, right? <laughs> you know, like whether, you know, if you want to reshoot something or if you want to add like a piece or whatever it is, like that eats into the budget, which eats into the margins, which eats into the profitability, right? So I, I do think that that definitely helps, has helped you. But then also on top of that, like it helped you understand like NFTs a little better, faster, probably because of the financial financialization part of it, you know, but before we start uh, really talking about your NFT experience and, and what that was like, you know, uh, in the interviews that you did uh, while you were interviewing for the Spanish magazine, what was yeah. like some of the best advice that you got from the people that you interviewed? Yeah, I interviewed a lot of uh, acclaimed uh, directors at uh, some of the major film festivals. And across the board, the the advice that I got the most from them was to stick to your guns as a, as a creative and as an artist, because uh, this is a very tough industry where, you know, many stakeholders at different uh, times uh, in your career and at different points in the making of, of a film are going to try to take creative control away from you and try to, to nudge you in one or other direction. And it's always fine to stay open and take criticism and take notes and whatever, but but you need to stay true to, to your own vision as an artist and and let that be your guide and defend yeah. that. Yeah, no, that, that makes total sense. Um, I can definitely relate to that uh, with crypto and and Twitter and like a lot of times like you're gonna have like I, I think when especially when ideas are so bold people are gonna think you're crazy right like when I first bought my punk uh, people thought I was like you know the biggest idiot on the planet and you know I, I, I and I was questioning myself as well so because like a lot of times you know you have to have that um that self-confidence to be like no I believe in this right so I I definitely that definitely resonates with me um how like what what was the jump how were you able to go from i guess working on sets to kind of directing your own uh your own project like what was that like you know what how was that break uh was it like by chance or was it something i i assume you always had it planned because you you had been uh active and very interested in the space from a young age but what is what was that break and how did that jump look like well, it wasn't really a jump, to be honest. The, the way that the industry works nowadays, there's not really a, uh, a ladder that you can climb mm -hmm. from become, from being a lower level technician or creative in the in the industry to becoming a director. You don't graduate into becoming a director. You you just 
you just proclaim yourself a director and then try to try to make projects in which you're the director so like my mm -hmm. short films i crowdfunded them i put them together myself and so you know because i created this thing i get to be the director and right now with the, with the film it's the same so it's kind of uh, you know, you you don't you don't seek not seeking permission from anyone, but rather greenlighting your, yourself as an artist and putting the project together yourself. So you know, then then you can lead it. So when you say that you crowdfunded them, was that like on Kickstarter? Yeah, Kayadita, my uh, the, the short one that we're now turning into a feature. Yeah, that was crowdfunded via Kickstarter. We raised around twenty five thousand dollars that way. So I I kind of know. The web two crowdfunding model already very right. well before before turning into web three crowdfunding. I'm sure that must have really helped, right? Because I mean, the Kickstarter model very similar uh, to you know uh, crowdfunding, uh, you know, selling like a PFP project to raise money to go build something, right? So I I feel like this must have been like a great natural evolution that you understood. Um, innately right like right when you came into the space the um so you you went to school for for financing for film that are is there film financing classes like is that no, so i went for to school like in normal college for my bachelor to for to business school nothing okay. to do with finance and there it was marketing nothing to do with film sorry so it was okay. marketing finance accounting all of all of the works and then my master's was in was in film and it was already film directing it wasn't okay. anything to do with finance so i kind of merged the two things okay all right cool so then you know as you're you're walking you're you're running around you're making films you're you're crowdfunding stuff with kickstarter how did you mm -hmm. feel about crypto like what was your first interaction but, with crypto i mean I don't remember exactly my first interaction, but I, for years I was aware of it and I wasn't paying a lot of attention. Like I like the idea of the blockchain, I think, and I've had a Coinbase account for for like maybe ten years, and I, and I had uh, tiny amounts of my savings in in Coinbase, uh, like on Bitcoin and Ethereum, but that was it. I, I never uh, dived deep into it uh, and le until I found out uh, NFTs. So NFTs was my real gateway to crypto as, as like that was the first time i i, I ever had a self uh self custodial wallet how did and, you find out about nfts super randomly i i read a tweet about crazy people aping into jpegs and, and paying thousands of dollars for for cats i guess they were crypto kitties uh -huh. and that that led to the non-fungible bible on OpenSea, which is this very in-depth long article from 2018 that kind of explains the whole tech and the whole revolutionary aspect of digital ownership and as soon as i read that i was convinced I, I i saw very clearly that digital ownership is a huge idea that hasn't been exploited at all in the internet and the whole internet has been built around this flaw of not having digital ownership and that's what has made the intermediaries so powerful and the creators so powerless so right. that's that's what i saw the potential to change with digital ownership and i i that i dove headfirst yeah, no, it, it's very funny you mentioned the uh, the OpenSea NFT Bible because, uh, I mean, I used to, I, I haven't read it or looked it over in, in uh, a few months now, but that's one of like those canon canonical pieces that like I send to people where they're like, I don't know anything about NFTs. What should I read? And I just send them that. It's like, read that first and then like, let's have a conversation, right? So uh, that's really cool. So then once, once you found out about NFTs, you read um, the OpenSea NFT Bible. 
what, how long from there did it take you to realize where you're like, oh man, like I have the possibility of funding a project, um, a film uh, using N- NFTs? Like how, how long did it take for, for it to down on you? It was a few months. Uh, so for, a, for, for my first five or six months in the space, uh, kind of there were two parallel journeys. On the one hand, I was a filmmaker that was, I was working on my film, Cayadita, I was finishing the script trying to fundraise it with the traditional uh, routes of film financing in, in Europe, etc. And on the other hand, I was a DJ uh, and I was very immersed in the space. I was hanging out in Clubhouse a lot. I was DJing uh, into, into any project that I found. And I was very excited and very involved in the space as well. And then at, at some point, actually, it, it was uh, Tony Herrera, who is a fellow punk and a, and a big OG and a hero in the space because of his generous spirit and how much he's helped a lot of people. He was the first one who kind of suggested the idea to me that NFTs were a, were a great crowdfunding mechanism and that I should look into merging my two passions uh, and seeing how I could use NFTs to to make my film a reality. And, and not only that, because I want to stress the point that from the beginning, it was not only, you know, there's liquidity here, I can make my film thanks to NFTs. It was also, how can we revolutionize in the filmmaking by using the tech of Web3 and NFTs so that we can have a, a, a cinema that is a lot more diverse and a lot more passionate because young filmmakers have a chance to make their films finally, thanks to the possibilities of Web3. And then we can take down gatekeepers and decentralize cinema. Right. And, and so I want to touch a little bit about what you were saying uh, with regards to you were you were going around, you were trying to find funding for the film through the j- traditional sense. How much were yeah. you, were you tr- looking to raise at that time? So it, this budget has always been um, around one million euros. So it's always been similar. But the way that um, film funding for indie cinema here in, in Spain and in Europe works is mostly with public funds. So it's a very opaque and random system where a couple public funding bodies meet once a year and hundreds of projects are presented. And then the committee selects a handful. It's around 5% that gets selected. So your chances are very slim, but also the process is very random and very opaque. And and it only happens once a year. So you're left waiting and waiting and waiting for for years on end uh, without being able to make your, your films, make your art. And was was Kickstarter not an option because the amount was so large? Yeah, I didn't. I never even considered it, and I and I think that that's probably the reason uh, for for that kind of amount with Kickstarter. Um, unless you're a huge celebrity, there, there's really no precedent, and and also it makes sense because you know you're asking mainly for a donation, and you know you need you know hundreds right. of thousands of people yeah. to donate money to you in order to make your film. So it's, right. it's really yeah. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and the reason why I asked that about the funding for the film is because, hey, you know, I, I'm i not sure if I spoke to you about this uh, off camera or I was talking to another filmmaker where, you know, I've had those conversations where, um, you know, you as a creator and in the filmmaking industry in general, uh, you're constrained much more by budget, right? If I'm an artist and even if I'm making a painting or or something in the real world, I can sit there and I'm like, okay, I want to do this over or I want to redo this. And yeah, it's more expensive, obviously, because the cost of materials, uh, you have to pay that. But it's not like, oh, yeah, we're going like 20% over budget or whatever, right? So it's like, uh, as a director, you have to be much more on budget. You have to be much more on time. And so 
And, and at the end of the day, when you go to financing for somebody, uh, they it's an investment for them, right? And so if you're like, oh, I want to reshoot this because I didn't feel like that was the perfect scene. It could be better. They're going to be like, all right, well, how much does it cost, right? Because yeah, that's, you know, how how does that in, into my margins? And I, I do think that like as a creator, having that control over your craft is super important that, yeah. um, you know, I, I think that NFTs are really opening up the space for that, right? Where you're like, okay, like this is, you know, I assume you have like a little bit left over for like uh, extra budgeting and stuff like that, but you can go back and reshoot something and not be like, oh, you know, how does this affect the profitability? Uh, like just dot, bottom line, right? Like obviously that's super important, but like the what it comes down to is what what does that do mean for sacrificing for the actual art of the film itself? Yeah, hundred percent. It's a very industrial art, and hence the, there are these industrial economical decisions that that impact it very much throughout the whole process. And and this also uh, is impacts a lot, like the meaning of empowerment um, via Web three for filmmakers, and that is very different than from from many other kinds of artists, because. Like for visual artists, like say, um, you know, uh, illustrators, uh, NFTs have been amazing because they've meant that finally they can get paid for, for their work and they don't have to take corporate commissions and they can just make their art and get paid for it, uh, you know, well and make a living. Well, depending on how famous they are, et cetera, but at least they can make a living out of their, yeah. out of their art. But there's never been a question of whether they can create their art or not. Their art right. is almost free to create. They can just create it and then they might sell it or they might not sell it, but they can make it. Right. Whereas for us filmmakers, it's it you know we can't even make it unless someone gives us the money to make it because it's so expensive. So the the way that we use Web three to be empowered is not now we're gonna make a living. It's now we're gonna get to make the film. That's already a huge tape yeah. for us, right? Right, right. Yeah, no, that that's actually that's really that's really funny. I never thought about that, but that makes total sense, right? It's like you can't just. I mean, you could go with a camera and be like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna direct something. I'm gonna make it, but at the end of the day, you do need a budget. You need to pay people. There's, you know, you need to get locations and all that stuff. So that definitely makes a ton of sense. So I guess based on that, right, based on your experience, what advice can you give to new filmmakers that are coming into the Web3 space? Mm, yeah, that's a great question. And my first advice is that you need to really immerse yourself in the community before and, and this goes to all founders and all, and all builders of any kind, uh, but filmmakers as well. It's like you can't come in here already with a project down, you know, in your pocket and be like, you know, I'm, I, I got here to Web3 because I want to launch this project. Like first, immerse yourself in the community, immerse yourself in NFT Twitter, collect a few things, get to know the communities, see where you can add value, see where, where you can be helpful to people, offer a helping hand, um, you know, become part of our family. And then look at ways in which you can use those connections and that and that family in order to add value and and at the same time extract value in a way that is that is that makes sense and that is organic and that is beneficial to everyone. Because right. otherwise, you know, people some people just treat the space like a like a liquidity pool that they can suck from, and that's that's not going to work in the long run for sure. Because people see right through that. Right. No, that makes that makes total sense. I like so you said that you had been in the space for a couple months before you even, you know, you spoke to Tony and I love Tony by the way. He's such a yeah. a beacon of light in the industry. I, you know, the stuff that he's doing I think is incredible. Um yeah. but 
Yeah, so you were in the space for a few months. Uh, yes. You spoke to him, and then he he gave you that idea. From from that talk to when you launched uh, the NFT project for Calladita, how long was that? Wow, it was it was still uh, like five more months or something because I've had to kind of fight an uphill battle because we are so early to film NFTs that none of the infrastructure exists yet. So you know, there's no Kickstarter that you can go to and upload your JPEGs and then it will mint the NFTs for you and it will set the whole thing up. So I, I had to hire a team of developers to, to create that because this is a bit more complicated than just a smart contract that means one of one art or, or even a generative project because you know the tech side is a bit more complicated because the, the fundraiser is structured with tiers that give different rewards, etc. So I need a whole team of devs that, that did everything from scratch. And then uh, I've also had to to work with a marketing agency to get the word out there because you know this the, the space is uh, um, a lot more saturated than than it was than it was before and it, it's it's super hard to get uh, your message across the, the all of the noise and all of the saturation and concentration of the market and so yeah like it's been it's been a few months of grinding and, and building the the project to get where to where we are at now and we launched the in in march in uh, march 2nd and we started working on it almost full time in like august so it's been a few months right yeah no i mean that's that's amazing right and i think that is exactly what you just said whereas you have to take time right uh you know it's not like come in here and be like oh here's what are nfts okay cool let's sell some and then figure it out right you have to go in yeah. with a plan uh with a, a big action plan uh way before you come into into the space uh showcasing the project so i totally get that so like let's go let's let's talk about the film itself can can you describe <laughs> the film calladita i i have trouble saying that calladita and the oh, it's perfectly yeah <laughs> so yeah, I, I guess, I guess a, good, a good way to start is is to explain the title and, yeah. and that will start setting the tone a bit calladita uh, means uh, quiet but uh, for a woman so a, a quiet girl kind of yeah. uh, it's an, an adjective for a woman but it's diminutive also and so uh, it's sometimes used in a sexist manner to to say things like calladita estás más bonita which means you are more beautiful when you're quiet mm -hmm. and this would be like you know a very sexist thing to say to a woman and the reason that that is, that is the title is because it's a it's an ironic play on the expectations of women to be quiet and and passive and and um, you know subjected to to other you know to higher powers or whatever or mm -hmm. or to others uh, and then the the reason why why this is is because the, the film is about a domestic worker from latin america and of course domestic workers are the epitome of these expectations of, of being quiet and being passive and submissive and uh, the story follows her as the protagonist uh, and she works for a very rich family in spain in the costa brava during the summer and so it's a film about uh, class tensions and racial and social inequality within this environment. And one, one easy way that sometimes I, I use to describe the film is uh, kind of like Roma meets Parasite. So okay. it's in that kind of genre okay, cool. of uh, social satire and, and at the same time a character study of, of this character and her struggles. Okay, cool. No, th that makes total sense. Me, I'll, I'll be honest, every time I read Calladita, I'm, I think of the Bad Bunny song, right? But that, yeah. I think that's more of a function of where I live, right? In in Puerto Rico, I, I, I think over the last year and a half, I've heard that song uh, a million times. So I I, yeah. I, I appreciate that the film uh, 
it, it, it seems like really cool and interesting, right? And I remember seeing the trailer and being like, oh, like this, this, uh, this is going to be dope, right? Like this would be really cool. Now, are you still in the fundraising part? Like, have you, are, have you sold all the NFTs or are they still open for sale? No, we're still open for sale. So basically the way it works is I, I made a short film already in 2019 that is 15 minutes and can be seen on our website. And it's the same story, but condensed into 15 minutes. Well, I mean, a similar story, but same yeah. protagonist and kind of a shorter version of the story. And that can be seen on the website. And then I've taken the short term and I've uh, spliced it up into stills and, and videos. And I've created the collection of 2,400 NFTs out of the short term. And they're all unique. And they're structured into four tiers. And uh, people can buy those NFTs. And they come with different levels of utility. And all of the proceeds are going straight into funding the feature version of the story, which uh, you know we're kind of 60% um, the, the way through in terms of funding. And uh, but we're very bullish and very optimistic about uh, closing the, the funding soon. And the plan is to shoot the, the film in September in, in the Costa Brava in Spain. So it's going to be the first European movie ever to be funded this way. And it's, it's very exciting to, to pioneer this new movement of Web3 cinema. And, and also in the future, in the, in the near future, also to, to kind of uh, be a very open. Um, pioneer in this space in the sense that you know I want to onboard new filmmakers I want to I want to offer a helping hand to a lot of filmmakers who are already in the space and kind of provide a model so that many indie filmmakers can can do the same thing that we did and greenlight themselves with the power of JPEGs right yeah that that definitely makes sense I think a couple questions is you mm -hmm. said every you said there's four tiers so what yeah. what do the different tiers get you like what are the levels of of so the 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 first tier is 0.18 ETH, and there are 2,300 NFTs, so it's by far the most populated, and uh, that gives you things like uh, access to the film before anyone else, so you can watch it before it comes out, and then access to a private Discord where we will share a very in-depth, uh, behind-the-scenes look at the whole process of making the film. And also, you get to put your name or your ENS in the credits of the film. So everyone who supported the film will be credited and, and thanked in the in the credits. And then that goes up to you know basically the highest tier, which there are only five of and has been sold out already. That was six ETH, and that gives you uh, an associate producer credit and and the chance to come to the set and, and experience the filming and hang out with the cast and crew and come to the rap party as well things like that and we're very happy that that was that sold out pretty quickly and also we have some amazing collectors like uh, stravitz for example who is a very og punk and he he put like almost 55 ETH into into the project so he's a big oh, guy away yeah and has over 200 of our nfts and uh, he, he really believes in the project and we're super grateful that's awesome that's great to hear um so what happens if you run over budget? I mean, I, I guess I'll pay it for myself. There's no other, there's no other chance. There's definitely no, yeah. You know, that was just like a question that I just, I just had just thinking about it, but I, I mean. But I've, it, never, but I've never gone over budget in any of okay. my short films. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, that's just mind. me just thinking. I think that's like my finance brain just thinking about it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, so like you, you sell, let's say, hopefully you sell out uh, within the next month or two, you start filming mm -hmm. in September, how long does the filming and edit, like from, 
from September, from the second you start filming, how long do you expect that it'll be uh, until you have a final product? So filming will take uh, five to six weeks. And then post-production is like two to three months. Uh, so the expectations is that we will have the film ready by, say, February 2023. Mm-hmm. And then, and then hopefully we will start. We will be um, premiering at festivals uh, around uh, spring 2023. So we will aim for some of the top uh, international festivals like Cannes or or uh, South by Southwest in in the US. Because Sundance is in January, so that's kind of out of the picture. Uh-huh. But but yeah, I mean the way it works is you apply to all these amazing festivals and it's it's very it's very difficult to get in. But if you're lucky, then they they select you and and then that's a great platform to premiere the film and get the ball rolling on its distribution journey. Right, and I, I obviously you're gonna have the Discord that's up and running. I, I assume that there's going to be like you're just gonna be very interactive with the community throughout that entire process, right? Because like I feel like it's almost it's almost like when you know you raise the money you go out you're building the product obviously you're you're making a film so it's not going to be like okay like when video game like make the video game tomorrow which we we hear a bunch in the space like to me i think it's it's almost like a little bit of a quiet period for a little bit but then yeah. i think like the fun part starts happening once the product is finished and you know you start going to the film festivals and showcasing it, right? And I think that that's where a lot of the excitement in the community will start to build. Yes, there's definitely a quiet period, but we are gonna strive to be as 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 little quiet as possible during that period to kind of give a lot of updates and give the community a very a very good uh, behind the scenes look at what we're doing throughout the whole project uh, process. Uh, but then, yeah, hundred percent. Once the film is done, there's gonna be so many opportunities for the community to feel engaged and for us to share the whole process with the community. And not only that, but also, kind of. I mean, I don't want to promise anything, but there, there's so much creative assets that we're gonna be creating during the, the making of the film, right? Because the way I, the way I see it, I was able to create this um, NFT, 2400 unique NFTs that we're selling right now from a short film that is 15 minutes that I made when I had never heard the word NFT before in my life. <laughs> so think think of everything that I'm gonna be able to create and tokenize when I'm making a two hour film, now that I know everything that is possible on the blockchain, right? So there's gonna be so much opportunity to bring value back to our backers and to our holders. And I always say, now I work for the holders, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that's my main responsibility to make an amazing film that they're gonna be proud of and to make sure that as much as as the as much as possible of, from the value that we're creating from the film is derived back to to the holders who our are our our family and our backers and I, I I work for them. Right. So yeah. So definitely your your commitment to the community is obviously definitely very evident. I think you know as a fellow punk, I'd like to think that that's probably one of the really good uh, things about punk is like it's just it's like a very tight knit community. So I, I mm-hmm. it. I like seeing that uh, with with the project that you're working on, um, and it's evident in the launch, all right, of the art collection. What what is Cayarita Dao? Is that just the the members, the NFT holders? Uh, that's a great question. So basically, from the beginning, I was looking at ways that we could give as much of the value of the back end of the film back to the community as possible. Because mm-hmm. to me, it would make sense to to give a chunk of the profits of the film back to the holders because they are the investors of the project. 
Unfortunately, due to the current securities laws, we aren't able to do that directly. So we can't take the, the proceeds of the film in the box office and then, and then just send ETH to, to our holders because that would turn the NFTs into securities and that becomes very messy. So then the, the solution that we found with our three separate teams of lawyers, because that's another thing that we had to hire is a bunch of lawyers because you know the space is very new and we wanna we wanna tread lightly and do the thing and do everything by the book and do it well so that we can provide a model, is that is this DAO DAO solution, which is kind of an intermediary solution. So what it means is that once the film is finished, we will set up a DAO and we will transfer 50% of the revenues from the film into this DAO. And at that point, all of our NFTs will become DAO NFTs granting the holders a proportionate voting power over this treasury that that is accrued from the revenues of the film so you know if down the line the film is very successful and and the dao um, accumulates a, a big treasury then the dao can vote to make a new film either myself or other filmmakers that the dao wants to support and we can kind of um create a small decentralized studio out of europe that can be a force in the in the upcoming web three cinema space. Right. No, that makes total sense. The I think I think that's really interesting and really cool. What is I, just because I'm not necessarily very familiar with familiar uh, with European filmmaking? What is like the what's like the Hollywood of Europe for film? I I don't think there is one. I mean, the 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 biggest hub for for film in Europe is France because they have by far the best um, system of public funding and they produce the most. And they also they also support a lot of world cinema, especially from developing countries. Um, but I, I, I it's it's still not comparable to Hollywood in any in any sense of, of the word. Right. Um, but but you know in in Europe there are some some of the most prestigious festivals like the Cannes Film Festival, Berlin, Venice, right. and those are very important for kind of indie filmmakers like myself who who you know kind of strive to create a more original and and passion driven filmmaking. Right. Cool. And, and then um, I know you just touched on it a little bit, but what's your long term vision for the IP from the film? Well, it's funny you mentioned that because one aspect of our of our whole project that I don't talk about uh, enough, just because you know there's so many moving uh, parts, but we also created the Kayadita Art Collection, okay. which is um, basically uh, we partnered with 17 artists from the space, and they watched the short film and created uh, one of one artworks that mm -hmm. we're also selling on OpenSea, and we're splitting the proceeds between them and the budget of the film 50-50. And so it's funny because the film doesn't even exist yet, but there's already 17 derivatives from kind of established artists from the space. Some are more up and coming, some are more established, but it's really cool to see their interpretations of the film and the fact that they're already building on the IP. So to me, that kind of signals a path forward for, for, the, for the IP. And one of kind of my investment pieces for for NFTs that I can sorry for Gaiadita I sometimes share with with collectors etc is the historic value. We know that the blockchain doesn't lie and that history is very important in the NFT space. And so, what you're never gonna be able to take away from Gaiadita is that it's the second feature movie ever to be fundraised with NFTs after Julie Pacino's Keepers of the Inn, who who was also here with you at the Cutting Edge. And and is the first uh, movie in Europe to to ever do this. So, um, you know, if 
if people are bullish on film NFTs, uh, you know, this this IP is gonna hold a certain a certain level of value just because of this historical element, in my opinion. Right. Uh, yeah. No. I I I tend to agree. I I think like I think that's probably one of the easiest um, investment theses for people to to wrap their heads around is like how historic is this, right? I that to me is anytime I I buy something, my first thought is what's the history, what's the historical significance of this. So I definitely get that. Um, to touch upon the what you said about the Cayarita art collection, I think that's really interesting, right? Because um, you know, maybe it starts with art today, but then like, what if there's like a derivative derivative film made off of Callarita, right? Almost like fan film, right? It's like, you know, I, I, I think that's just super interesting, right? Because like usually, um, let's say, you know, you make a film, you it's a hit, it's a classic right away. Uh, they come in and they, you know, there's an automatic sequel right away. And sometimes it feels forced, right? Where mm -hmm. it's like, oh yeah, like it's just, we're trying to make more money. But I think the cool and interesting thing could be it's like allowing community members and other creators to, you know, maybe they do their derivative work, which is their interpretation of it. Or maybe they just take the story like where the story ends. They like do a prequel or they do a sequel or whatever. Right. Like a small short film. I I think that there's a lot of cool and interesting ways to take that. Um, and, you know, like as as the creator of the original film, I think you can have a lot of fun with that down the road of like, maybe you don't want to make the second one, but maybe somebody has like a great idea where it's like, oh yeah, like run with that. And like, let's see how yeah. we can kind of iterate on that together. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's that's going to be super fun. And also sometimes the the reason why uh, sequels don't work is because we are forced to create a sequel uh, that fits into the model of a feature film. And right. maybe the story doesn't doesn't grant uh, two more hours of, of content, but maybe are like three short film sequels that are 10 minutes each is perfect but then currently the distribution model doesn't make that profitable or desirable but with mm -hmm. nfts anything is possible right so maybe three community members decide to make three short films that are each five minutes and then we can tokenize them uh, right. and sell them as one of ones or whatever whatever i mean what i most like about nfts is that the possibilities are endless and it's just super exciting to to dream and and find out what what the best solution is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I think it, it's funny too because we're all learning this as we're going along, right? Like I remember, um, you know, when I first came into NFTs, as you start thinking about it, right? First, people are like, "Oh, it's about art," and then you know, it's about community, and now it's like, okay, how do we keep taking it the next step, right? It's like, you know, now for you. Uh, and this was like a big aha moment just earlier when you mentioned it was like, you know, as a filmmaker, like you can't create something unless you have the funding for it. So like, how does this really change the paradigm for filmmakers going forward? Right. And like allowing you to be like a beacon of light to your counterparts. Right. Where it's like, hey, like I was able to do this successfully. Um, this is the model I used. And it's almost like, I, and we saw this too. This reminds me a lot of um, of what Justin Aversano did in photo NFTs, where yeah. uh, anybody that he recommended to me, uh, right, like as they were coming into the space and he was onboarding them, it was very much like, oh, you have like Justin's cosign, okay, then like, you know, like how can I help you, right, type of thing, because yeah. you're 
you're going to be like a, a curator, right? Like you and Julie and, and all the people that are really pushing the space forward in terms of how can you use NFT for funding? And then you onboard one of your friends and then they end up onboarding one of their friends. And we just start getting like higher quality creators that are given more, more create. They're given a, a bigger leash so that they can yeah. create what they want to create and not necessarily be like, well, that doesn't test well with this audience and we don't want to offend these people. And let's yeah. take that out because of this. Right. So I think it's, it's going to be really cool. Um, yeah. I, I think the example of Justin is great as well. Justin is, is a collector of Kayalita as well, and we're super grateful and, and honored because, uh, and, and apart from uh, from punks, uh, also a, a few artists that I really admire in the space have collected, like Justin, but also like Claire Silver or mm. Thank You X. So that's mm. been amazing. But uh, it's funny that you bring up Justin because I sometimes have used Justin's example as well uh, to explain this historic element value thesis for Kayarita. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I remember very well when Justin was going around selling his twin flames and, and grinding and hustling uh, very well in order to sell them. And at that point, photography NFTs were, were still nascent and mm -hmm. a lot of people didn't understand it. You know, they, they couldn't rub their hands around it and it, it didn't make entirely sense to them. So it, it was a similar time to where film NFTs are today. Right. And, and, you know, so if, 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 if at that time you invested in the OGs of photographies, of photography NFTs, then that turned out to massively well for you. And right. so, you know, not, not financial advice, and I don't know what's right. going to happen in the future, but potentially something similar could happen with the OG film projects if film NFTs become a huge trend, which we're already seeing, to be honest. There's already, like, 20 projects that are going to launch in the next couple of months. So it's, right. we're already starting a big wave and I, I hope that it continues and that it becomes massive. Right. Yeah, no, that's going to be definitely incredible to watch. Uh, you know, when I was out in LA, it's, you know, the big studios are still wrapping their heads around it. But I, I do think much like everything in life and especially in crypto and NFTs is like the most entrepreneurial people and the ones that are like, fuck it, like, let's figure it out. Right. Because like a lot of the times, that's what it is, right? It's people kind of just being like, all right, I don't, I don't have all the answers and I know that, but this is what I do know. And this is what I want to do. Like, let's figure it out. So I, I, I very much respect that, you know, um, when, when you're building your team, right. Uh, how have you found partners and what, like, what do you look for as a fit for individuals, um, that you work with? That's a great question. I, I always say, um, uh, passion b before experience. So uh, you know, I I I prefer to to work with someone who's super passionate and and willing to learn and willing to go the extra mile, than someone who has um, done exactly the same job uh, before for exactly a very similar project. That I feel like sometimes people fall into that trap of of whenever they they're, they're looking for someone to hire or to collaborate with. They need someone who has done exactly the same before so they can know that they can deliver, right? That, okay, you've done this exact same thing here, so just do it here for me. And that's fine, but it's very conservative. And in my opinion, I prefer someone who's truly passionate and driven than someone who is more experienced or more knowledgeable. That's right. like, yeah. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. I think that because like, especially in, in NFTs is like, if you want to stay up to date, like you're, you're losing sleep. You know what I mean? Like to yeah. really stay up to date in everything that's happening in the space, you have to be very passionate about it. And yeah. you know, 
like to me, it's like you're you're gonna you're gonna make it, right? You're gonna you're gonna work your ass off to to make it happen, and that's pretty much what uh, I personally look for as well. Um, you know, I I don't want to like kind of jump the gun because I know you're still working on this, but do you have any other projects that you're working on that like you know that you have on tap for after Kaiyita, or you just focus on this for now and you have an idea but don't necessarily aren't at a point for sharing it. I mean, I can I can share a bit of what I want to do next. Who knows what will happen? But I'm not I'm not actively working on that because I prefer to focus on one project at a time. Because filmmaking is very intensive and, and very intense, and so you know I need my full concentration on Kayarita right now. But I mean, one thing is for certain is that I'm in the Web three ecosystem and in NFTs for the long run, and I hope to be a web3 filmmaker forever kind of mm -hmm. and then beyond that one thing that like one idea that has been running in my mind for quite a, a long time and that i would love for it to be my second or my third or you know one of my films in the future is a western i'm a mm -hmm. huge fan of of the western especially the classic westerns of uh, john ford and howard hawks and i would love to do a contemporary western in the states and work in a, in a way that would be kind of new to me, which is kind of close to docu fiction. So okay. I want to do like a very long road trip in the American West and South and find a story that, that is a true story that, that resonates with me and find characters that can, that can, like kind of, we can tell their own story and right. then cast them. So it's a kind of a similar way to how Chloe Zhao works, uh, okay. the director of Nomadland. So she, she finds the, the characters who, who have a very fascinating story and then casts them in their own roles to, to recreate what already happened to them in the past and then mm -hmm. films it in a way that feels like fiction. So you watch right. the film and you feel like it's a normal movie, right. but the, rea the, the reality is that it's a true story that happened to these exact same people. Oh, I that's, that, that's really cool. I, I yeah, like I don't think Maybe I've seen movies like that, but I just didn't know uh, that. I, I'll ping you about that offline to... I, I'd love sure. to see, like probably watch an example of that at some point this week. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I know I want to be cognizant of your time. The Let me ask you what, I mean, besides your punk, what is your favorite NFT? That I own or that I don't own? Uh, that you own. That I own, I, I think it would be my ringer. Okay. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Dimitri's and we're going to also put the, the ringer in, in the film. Oh, nice. I'm very excited about that. And yeah, I mean, yeah, super huge fan of um, what um, Snowfro built in, with art blocks and, and especially Ringers is a very iconic um, piece of generative art for me or collection. For sure. Yeah, I, I mean, Ringers are great. Um, I, I think I I think I stopped minting art blocks pieces like I like my last one was right before Ringers. So like I missed. Oh. Ringers. Um, so but it is what it is. They're beautiful to look at, though. Um, yeah. yeah, Miguel, thank you for taking the time. I, I very much appreciate um, all the time and explaining everything. I'm excited for what you're doing. Uh, for people in the audience that want to find out more about you and your projects, what are the best places for them to go? So best thing is to follow me on Twitter, Miguel Faust, or um, come to the Discord for Cayadita and ask any questions or DM me anytime. My DMs are open. And yeah, and join us in Kayadita if you believe in the future of, of film NFTs. And you can find all the all the info on our on our website, uh, kayadita.film, or or right there on the Discord or or Twitter. 
Thank right. you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, gee, it was, it was great. And also thank you for, for being a Cayarita collector. Uh, mm -hmm. I really appreciate it. And for, for championing the future of Web3 Cinema. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, thank you for taking the time. And everybody listening, thank you. And we'll, we'll see you guys next week.